Hey y'all, what's up? It's your girl Unimo from the Make Jazz Trail Again podcast, and I'm here to let y'all know that this episode is presented with support from Winter Jazz Fest. And this month happens to be Winter Jazz Fest too, from January 12th through the 18th. Please make sure to use our promo code WJF15 for a 15% off discount on all marathon tickets. That includes two-day passes, single day, and VIP. The Manhattan Marathon is going to be on Friday, January 13th, and the Brooklyn Marathon is going to be on Saturday, January 14th. Go ahead and visit that website, winterofjazzfest.com slash marathon to peep the schedule, buy your tickets, and use that promo code, WJF15. Thanks, and we're going to see y'all there. Come rock with us, and enjoy the episode. Make Jazz Trill Peace and love, everybody. Welcome to the Make Jazz Trill Again podcast, holiday season edition. Yes. I'm your host. I'm your host, Melanie Charles. And I'm your co-host, Uni Mojica, a.k.a. Uni Mo. Woo! And we're excited because we got a baddie joining us today in our conversation. Mm -hmm. We have a good friend of ours who happens to be an incredible bassist, a composer, an arranger, a community activist who's down to earth, around the way type of chick who has been out here for a very long time putting in work and just shining. And I I am honored to call her my friend. We are honored to call. We, I can proudly say we are honored to call her our very good friend. Ladies and yes. gentlemen, please welcome the one, the only, Andia Owen. Hey, everybody. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my God. Well, I, if you, if you don't mind, I want to hop in with a little anecdote as to how I personally know Andia Owens. It was, I want to say 2019. Might have been before. What we say? Jesus. So well before the idea of a pandemic, okay? Very early on in the, like, empowering women in jazz conversation. (laughs) We do, I end up on a gig in Times Square at a spot called the Cigar Room or something Mm -hmm. like that. And here is this incredible beautiful soulful bass player just hold like just been on that thing and I was like by the end of the gig I was like who are you like welcome to New York like a diamond in the rough and 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 I choose my words carefully when I say rough because I remember you up and down them stairs with your upright bass, hustling these New York streets, dealing with, you know, the the, the struggle of like paying rent while trying to be a musician mm-hmm. and like just like working hard. And when I, I the gig that we first did, we were both sidemen on that gig. And I was I loved your playing so much. I was like, I need this woman, India Owens, to play with me on my gig. And it was very early on when I was trying to do my, my SP stuff. And it was kind of a struggle, but E was like right there with me, like, okay, is that where we're going? And just from that year, I've just always been in awe of you. And it is so inspiring to see your journey from then. Like I can mm-hmm. say, and I always, t- I tell you this privately, I'm not just saying this for the podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm very proud to say that I remember when. Yep. So for those who are just now getting hit, please tell us how you even ended up in the New York. Like, how did this even happen? Like, where did it all begin? So thank you, Mel. I think that was 2017 when we met, though. With Takuma Bradley. You had the flute with you everywhere you went. (laughs) 
you were singing, you were fluting your heart out. Like <laughs> that gig in, <laughs> no, I gotta talk about this. That gig in Brooklyn that we did, oh my god, it was so far in Brooklyn. Mel carried all her gear, but she had everything. And and it was uh, pouring, raining, and it was late yeah. at night. It was, I mean, Mel, yeah. you are a trooper. <laughs> we have seen each other in some rough times. Yes. So the respect, the love is right back at you because, yeah, I remember when as well. Um, my journey to New York. Wow, that was... That was a leap of faith. Um, I took a big risk getting here. Um, in Detroit, where I'm from, I saved like a lot of money in the summer just doing any gig that I could. I was, you know, and people didn't really want to hire me at the time as well. Like I, I wasn't always like this basis that people think is so killing and whatever. I sucked, <laughs> kind of. You know, I was still still trying to learn my way into this music and the sound and just really trying to adapt myself to, just to my voice as a musician. So it was hard getting gigs, but so sometimes I played on the streets. So, like I played, I played panhandling. Oh. I played on any gig that I could find until I had enough money to move to New York. Um, and I was like, okay, um, I've always wanted my master's degree too. Let me apply to school. And uh, I applied for Manhattan School and I applied for Juilliard. I made it to the final round of Juilliard, didn't get in, was heartbroken. And I got into Manhattan. So I was like, okay, I got to get to Manhattan. Um, I actually got scammed out of like... <laughs> nine hundred dollars in detroit what before yes it's, look i got scammed out of like nine hundred dollars i only had like four thousand total to get to new york on my own and like pay rent do all of this stuff so i was like all right here we go <laughs> so i bought a greyhound ticket and like the Greyhound was like canceling, like just day after day. So I came. Oh my God. I got to New York like the night before my classes at Manhattan School was supposed to start. And I had my base in the undercarriage. And I was just like, okay, uh, where am I going to stay? So on the bus, <laughs> like I was just, I was just like, okay, maybe I'll just like chill in the practice room when I get there, uh, something. Because I literally didn't have it set up. Like I was looking for months, never happened. So I'm just looking on Facebook like, hmm, who's in New York? Because <laughs> I don't know nobody. <laughs> and, and like my friend, Kali Rodriguez, shout out to him. Wow. Like, mm. um, Kali, I met him in Cuba. Uh, for a music exchange program at Michigan State. And we always connected. We had a very special bond. Like I, I spent like a month and a half in Cuba. And I, I did something for him that was like an incredibly nice gesture from the heart. And he was like, I'll never forget this. Like, thank wow. You. So I saw his name on Facebook and I was like, oh, you're in New York. <laughs> um, and he was like, yeah, you know, I just moved here. This is 2015. Like he just moved there like that month from Cuba. Like he just got there. And, and then uh, I was like, well, I'm here too. And he was like, where are you staying? Nowhere. And he was like, oh, you need a place to stay? I was like, I really do. Can I? Can I just sleep on your couch or something? And um, he was like, yes. Like he, I had my suitcase and my base, like got to Union City, New Jersey, where, where he was at the time with his girlfriend. And he let me, he let me sleep on his couch for an unlimited amount of time. Wow. Um, and that was like the beginning of my New York journey. It was it was hard getting here. Ooh. It was hard staying here. 
Mm-hmm. Those, that was like the first week of it. She dropped a crash course. <laughs> but what? Wait, then I dropped out of Manhattan school. <laughs> I was about to say, yeah. how did things go at MSM? What, what, what happened? How did? How was your experience um, there? Well, my experience isn't everyone's experience, so I just want to put that out there. There are like teachers who are really okay. dedicated, like to the students and what they do. However, there is a big challenge being a Black woman in these institutions. Uh, Mm -hmm. And still to this day, before I even open my mouth, there I'm seen as aggressive. I'm seen as having an attitude, this, that, and the other. Everything that I actually don't stand for. So I I had a difficult time actually physically being there, but I, I went, I went to class, did my work. Um, but it was something that one teacher said to be specific. He said, you know, I gotta be honest. He, he gathered all the jazz students in the hall. I gotta be honest, uh, 95 or 99% of you won't make it in this, in this business. It's not going to happen. And I was like, you know what? I'm about tired of this. And I left, you know, I, I dropped out. I dropped out. I, I I couldn't, I couldn't take it anymore. Um, because I'm about nurturing. I'm about mentorship. I just didn't understand Mm -hmm. why I would be in a school when the teachers, well, that teacher uh, specifically, doesn't really believe in the future of this music, the future of the students. Yeah. Like, I dare say his self, you know, I decided to not waste any time. I was like, it it took a lot of hard work to get here. I'm not wasting it. So, so I I was in Macy's, like, I, I was doing a lot of free gigs at the time too. So money was not, a thing. <laughs> like I was playing, mm-hmm. I was playing for like food. I was playing oh. for like $14, $30, $50, playing on boats, like little sailboats that rock. <laughs> you know? Like, not, not a cruise ship. ship. Not a fancy cruise ship. We're talking about rock the boat. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was <laughs> I'm about to start crying like my eyes oh, are no. watering because like I had no idea. I thought I had a piece of what was I knew some of what was going on. But like on top of that, you're lugging around this impossibly huge instrument that is the size of yep. a coffin. Mm-hmm. About wheels. <laughs> I can't even afford. No, and you didn't have a wheel. No, <laughs> I didn't have no wheels. Oh, yeah. So. So it had got to November. I I think all of my accounts were in the negative. I, I dropped out of the school. Um, I was like, ooh, okay, <laughs> okay, God. Um, I'm gonna make it happen, but leave me. So I was window shopping in Macy's and I went to the, the women's section. I was like, oh, let me just look at all these nice things just because, you know, just to look. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And the Juilliard jazz combo happened to be playing on that floor that day. And I was like, what? And then I, I started to just hide myself and not say anything. I was like, okay, this uh-huh. is like, I'm getting triggered. But <laughs> I was like, you know what? Let me at least like say something like, thank you for having me at the audition because at the time ahead, of the department was there too and it was like a little bit be- before the submission deadline and I was like hey you know I just wanted to say thank you so much it really meant a lot to me to audition and he was like I'm so glad I saw you because we want you to audition again we were all so hurt that you didn't make it it was like an ear training thing that I I wasn't good at And he was like, please apply again, please. Like 
the deadline is in a couple of days. Like, we really want you there, please. So I was like, okay, God, <laughs> that, that is the sign. And yeah, I applied and like, I remember at the audition, I wore my Afro out. I had my little patterns going. I was just like, you know, let me just be my whole self. And I, I just tried to practice as much as I could. And then I got in, but that moment at Macy's, it was, oh it was my God. I was yes. never going to apply again. Yeah. Oh my God. That one. Well, I mean, I, I, I would love to like pivot a little bit because you said, all right, God, like you show me the way and like uni, you and I both have bonded all over our faith. Mm-hmm. And, and, and yeah, I always, I know every time we talk, we, there's always like, we always are giving things. It was a light, like, cause God said, like, yeah. I know that you are a woman of faith and, you know, people don't want to really talk about that. It's like not the cool thing and talk about God and spirituality, you know, especially when you're talking, it's a, it's a, it's a worldly music whatever I don't know like I find Mm -hmm. that like it doesn't come up a lot but I think that I would love to hear a little bit about what how your faith has served you in your journey Mm -hmm. thus far yeah I mean like God is like the the head of everything in my life like Mm -hmm. I feel I feel like God is everywhere like when I go to church I feel it like when when I was a kid, I felt it like I feel like God is in all of us. Like there's a light that we all have that we all have to tap into. Um, like honestly, my majority of my life until recent years have been like an extremely like it just felt like I was clawing to the surface. Like then I slip a little bit, then I have to claw myself back up. Like from childhood till maybe four or five years ago. So one thing that my mother always taught me is that, you know, like just trust the destiny, trust, trust your faith, trust God that like no matter what obstacles are ahead of you, you will always get through it. Like these things make you stronger. And then when you get to a point where it's like, okay, this is like your eyes start to open, like, okay, this is what's supposed to happen. This is the beginning of like everything that God was preparing me for. Like it, it all makes sense. But now you're Mm -hmm. equipped with the tools, you know, to keep going, you know, and that's good. It like, seriously, like, and and I don't, yeah, I, I talk about God a lot, but not really this in depth, but it's very serious for me. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, before I moved Mm -hmm. to New York, I was praying heavily. Like every major decision that I do, I pray heavily. Like I try to listen to like all the signs, every, everything that I could possibly like pay attention to. Like that's, that's what decides Mm -hmm. it for me. Um, Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, when I was younger, I always knew, like, you know, I, I grew up in poverty, but I was like, this does not define me. Like mm-hmm. people that I've met who have been evil in my life, that, that does not define me. I don't break. I bend. I bend and then I snap back. Like mm-hmm. nothing, nothing could ever break me. And that's, beha- that's because I have God. Like on all corners of me. Ooh, yes, yeah. India. Yes, that's so good. Seriously, I'm like writing. I'm writing that because <laughs> people always say I don't. I don't break. I bend. But I like the. I I snap snap back. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow, India. Thank you for sharing for sharing that and sharing that with with all of us. Mm-hmm. because that's not an easy share but it's a testimony mm-hmm. and you know i i've noticed the all that you give back to people mm-hmm. you are always ever since i met you you've always been a giving person like anything that you any gift that you've ever had i always see you 
pour into people and and you notice you always notice when somebody is in the back when somebody is yeah like, needs mm. that extra I've because I've seen you work with kids too mm-hmm. and you notice that one person that you know maybe a little bit on the quiet side and you you have a way of lifting of lifting people up in that way so that's Thank something you. that I've always noticed about you and what you've been doing, what you've been doing in Harlem, those community cookouts. I remember when. So we dope. Were, it's the dope. It's, it's beyond dope. It's God's work. It really is. There's no other way to describe it. Because uh, I, rem- I I think it was 4th of July in the in the pandemic and we were hanging out. You need we were hanging out. You need help me do my first one in 2020. Yeah. Yes, please continue. My bad. <laughs> we were no, you did. <laughs> we were hanging out trying to figure out. I was like, oh, what should we do? Because we were we were just like enjoying the summer, but in the middle of the pandemic. And pandemic. and you you said you were like, we need to do something for because we were we were driving, I think we were just driving in Harlem. And you were like, we need to feed people. And and I was like, let's do it. I'm in. Let's let's just go and get some food. And and there's so many people out here that don't have anything right now. And this time that we're in is really bad. And you also you pointed to a story, a story to me where I think you had said your uncle would take you to feed people in the community. And that is something that stayed with you and resonated with you. Mm-hmm. And we literally went out that day, got a bunch of, I think it was Caribbean food or soul food. And we went out on 125th <laughs> and Lexington and Lex. That means something. <laughs> and just got out the car, put the trays on the hood of the car yes. and started yes. feeding people. And it grew, what? It grew into this community cookout and you went even a step further and you you've been ushering in musicians to come and play ushering people to come and help and and made it this this whole community event can you Mm. can you talk about that a little bit more (laughs) yes please (laughs) please so so first of all shout out to uni mojica (laughs) yo uni was the first one Yes, man. Uni, I just, I just remember that day. Uni was like, "What do you need? You need forks. You need plates. We need this. We need that." I got my dad's car. We could put it on top of the car, <laughs> and it was a huge line of people. Like, just they just kept coming and coming. But um, the community cookout. Oh. Wow, I've, I've always wanted to give back. Like, there's a lot of bigger dreams that I have when it comes to giving back to people. Like, I, I want a whole like facility i want like after school Mm. buildings Uh like this is like just the beginning so um my godfather we would we would go in his pickup truck and he would have hot dogs and chips and waters for people and yeah like he just rode around detroit handing it out to whoever wanted it so that was like one of the first first times that I saw like someone that I knew that personally giving back and it always felt good to me um and also you know I I was a kid that like you talk about kids in the back or people who might be hiding away or shying away like I was one of those kids you know so like Mm. like um I and I say this a lot but my mother and I were homeless. Like this was a very mm. actual thing, you know? So it was like <sighs> mid high school when we were homeless in the winter, you know, no food clothes on our back, you know, just trying to make it happen, you know, asking for money on the street. Like, like it's very hard to get people to open their hearts to give even mm-hmm. a dime, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I think 
like people in those situations are made to feel like they're nothing because I, I feel like some people, some people might be too involved in their own lives to realize, or some people really feel just very superior. Like, Oh no, I don't, I don't have to give that to you or like, Oh, you look too clean. Your face is washed. Yeah. Because we just washed it in the McDonald's bathroom. You know, it's, it's like things, things like that, that I, that are like ingrained in my memory, like playing in the homeless shelter with my, like my mom is such an incredible mom because even when we were homeless, she was like, well, you still got to take your bass to rehearsal. You still got to go here. Like you still got to practice. So I would carry it on my back. No, no wheels. I just want to no wheels. carry it on my back, <laughs> take it in the shelter play. All the ladies would come around me and like, just, it was just so happy in those moments. So I always knew I had a calling for this. Like I always wanted to do this. So um, especially when I landed the show, uh, Colbert, I was like, okay, this is, this is great. This is perfect. Um, I can give back. So that's like the driving force, like actually knowing what it feels like to be in that mm. situation kind of hits a little bit yeah. deeper. So that's why yeah. I really try to go hard every time. Like, you know, yeah. I try to make sure there's enough for everyone. Like no one yeah. is leaving empty handed. Like everyone gets yeah. quality meals. Like if we're giving out toiletries, mm. they have to be of a certain quality. Like I, I want people to mm. realize that their life really truly matters. Mm. You know, if, if not everyone in, in the, and within 10 feet of them, like, at least they know that I care. Like, at least they know, like, they can come back anytime. They can talk to me about their family member that passed or like, oh, I'm not doing so good in school or, oh, you know, I'm taking the school for my mom. You know, it, it's way deeper than this. Mm -hmm. So I'm just, I just think about myself as a vessel to help people. It's. And it's, it's like a wave because then you make everyone around you, your friends, your peers, your collaborators have to be mm -hmm. better. Ooh. You know what I mean? Like, and, and that's, that's the other piece the because you know, the bar, you know, it's like, all right, if you, my homie, if you, if you down with me, if you want to play in my band, well, we about to play outside in the cold for the people Boom. because <laughs> you, you challenged me and, and, and made me have to like, get out of my comfort. Cause like you start, you started out in Harlem, but the cookout is all over the, all over New York city, uh, five boroughs. Mm -hmm. It came to Brooklyn mm -hmm. on Fulton mm -hmm. street. And I wasn't feeling well. And I, at first I said, yeah, I'd be able to sing. And then the day came, I had a, my eye, I was having issues yeah. with my eye. And I was telling my mom, I was like, mom, I feel bad. I told you I'll come sing. But I, now to, she was like, well, I'll go with you. At least we'll show up. So me, my mom and my yes. dog, we pulled up to the cookout on Fulton <laughs> in Brooklyn. And I felt better for, even if I wasn't up to performing, to singing at that time and giving in that way, but just being in that number was just so healing. Mm -hmm. So thank you for also like making us all be better. And, you know, we talk about the cookout in the act of, of the, the food and the community, but also <laughs> the band. <laughs> Also, and I you don't only, you don't only give oh. give quality food; you give quality music. That's facts. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's just I remember going to Dizzy's. Like even in a stiff place like Dizzy's, you managed to make it feel like a cookout, like someone's backyard. That is a huge feat. That space is historically a very dry, hard place to really mm -hmm. catch something. Really mm -hmm. like the spirit authentic mm -hmm. like that you know so and i remember your arrangements are crazy like you're you're such an incredible writer I, that's another thing that i respect and admire about you so much like your pen is a problem <laughs> yes and i and that i really think it speaks to the the gen our generation mm. our generation i believe we we're not we're not a hundred percent 
one we're we're a du- we're a duality. Yeah. You know, your your pen mm-hmm. speaks to the duality of of yeah. an all encompassment of black music. Yeah. And though yeah. and the elements of swing, the element and the different feels that are in gospel music and and even you even have the Latin aspect in there too, like all the different mm. the diaspora across the diaspora and and that soul gospel of American of American music. Mm. But you also like a testimony of like if you're saying when you try when you audition for the Juilliard the first time, okay, maybe it was some kind of ear training thing, but now you're writing or you're orchestrating pieces that like the head of the school, Winston Marcellus himself, is like, I want to perform your piece. I remember when that happened. That was what was that? March twenty twenty one. Yep. You you. That was a huge thing. That was a insane. huge moment. You arranged. You not only you didn't just arrange a piece. You wrote a new composition and you arranged that mm-hmm. composition for the Jazz Lincoln Center Orchestra. Ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Wow. That was <laughs> that was one of my hardest arrangements to write, um, and I dedicated it to the life of Ida B. Wells one of my heroes. Um, yeah. So mm. I, I just felt that is really, I, I feel that it's really important to also highlight black women and tell mm. stories in any way that we can. Um, I mean, let alone all women, but specifically black women too, because I'm black. So I got to <laughs> tell these stories. So <laughs> So, um, yeah, and and it just was a story about her life from start to finish. It was almost like a homecoming celebration. That's how I thought about the whole piece. And, yeah, they mm. they played it at um, Jazzalika Center. They played it at the Chicago Symphony. The mm-hmm. Oh, they played it a few times. Carnegie Hall played it. It is. Yeah. Yeah, they played it a few times. It'd be bad. Yeah, they played it a lot of times, actually. Yeah. yeah so it's it's been it's been beautiful. You also just um released your first recorded single where yeah. the Nubians grow too, where y'all could check this out Ooh. on all streaming services, just so y'all know. Yeah. Are you Ooh. on Bandcamp too? Can people buy it off of, off of Bandcamp? Is that a thing? I believe so. I got to check with my manager, but I'm, I'm going to say yes. Yes, yes, because <laughs> you want we want you to buy it. We want y'all to buy. By the time they listen to this episode, they'll mm-hmm, know how to get mm-hmm, it, for sure. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, I need everybody nope, nope. to buy it. Um, it. Were you trying to wind down? You need to stop. See, no, to no, 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 no. Sorry, <laughs> did, 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 I, I'm trying to segue into, into your, your next project that's potentially coming out. Yes. Mm. Recording. An album. Yes. Yes. An album. A whole album. It's going to be out in the spring. Um, So it's, it's basically all recorded at this point. And yeah, it's called feel good music. Um, And I, I wrote Mm. everything just trying to be myself. You know, I, I know a lot of times when you're making an album, people say, Oh, you should get this person. You got to get this name. Yeah. Oh, it has to sound like this. You need standards. You need stuff that people know. So it actually yeah. took me three times to record my album. Mm. The first two times didn't work for me. I didn't, I, did, I wasn't feeling the energy, you mm. know, and I'm dealing with a lot of variables. But the third time mm. I was just like, you know, F it. I'm, I'm just... First of all, I'm paying for this. <laughs> I'm writing this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this how I want to do it. Period. Yes. Like, so it's mm-hmm. all originals. And mm, right. it's yeah. truly from the heart. It's truly from Ooh. the heart. And like, when I listen back to the songs, I feel amazing. Because it's my voice. Ooh. Like, I'm, I'm standing for myself. That's how you stand mm. up for yourself. Like nobody tell me how to think, how to create, how to do me, how to live my life, how to live my life through this music. I was like, let me just do something that's so true to myself. 
And that's, that's what it is. That's, that's honestly a thousand, thousand percent what it is. Woo, I love that Period. for you, India. <laughs> I love oh. that. Congratulations. Yeah, I love that. I can only imagine how it's going to sound for you to say that about Because, you know, like, it's hard to say, yo, this is good. Like, when you make something, like, yeah. you, you always like, yeah. So for you to say you enjoy hearing it, I already know it's going to be the ultimate ear candy. Yes. Like, ooh. Yeah, that's ooh. like, and when I did the, the MPI Tiny Desk, I have to be honest, I was nervous though. I was like, well, I really love this music, but I hope people, <laughs> I hope people like it because yeah. it's such a vulnerable state, but like it trans, mm. like everything that I was thinking when I recorded everything, it translated to people listening. Like, so, so yeah, I, I feel great. You can have faith yeah. in that. I love you can rest assured in that. Like if it feels good to you, you know that yeah. it's going to resonate. But like you, you mentioned the tiny desk, I, what hope like amazing we talked you mentioned the Colbert like for those who don't know you so well what could you share about like I don't like the idea of glow up because it makes it seem like it's a sudden overnight thing and as it we already amazing. established mm. you've been steady like dang, dang, dang. so everything that you've accomplished is well deserved and right Facts. on time but if Facts. you had to say what was like a, a, a like a click moment like what would you say? Or there's a few things that kind of connected to make those things happen. The Colbert, the tiny desk, like. Mm, okay. A few click moments. That's, that's a hard question because like there's been so many moments. I, okay. Uh, I'll, I'll do it in three. So the first mm-hmm. moment where it was like, okay, I might make it here. <laughs> you know, I started playing with all the older local Harlem musicians like Patience Higgins, Ganea Green, like, like Ooh. everyone. Oh, all, so good. Like, and that's respect. Like when the when older musicians who have played with the greats like call you, I'm like, okay, I'm not doing, I'm not doing so bad. Like, okay. Here we go. Here yes. we go. Okay. Agree. I'm learning. Yeah. Like I'm picking up tunes. Stuff is getting easier. Shout out to Marion Cowings as well. Love you. Mm-hmm. Um, also, like I would say the second wave of that was like I did like a oh how I started playing with Winton was because um I was at Juilliard at the time. And like a lot of students were invited to this performance in Brooklyn where his sextet was going to be playing. And it was kind of like really clickish. I've always been the eyeball out most times. So I'm like, okay, you know, sure. You know, okay. <laughs> but I was like, you know what? I didn't get invited, but let me pull up. Let me pull up. Yes. I sat, I sat in the back and, and like Winston started calling up a few people and I was like, you know what? Let me walk up here. Like, cause I was like, I traveled far. I spent this train money. Let me go up here and ask to play. So I, I said, you know, can I also play? And like, they were like, you want to play? And I was like, yeah. So I played, I got housed. I was like, yeah, yeah. Like, and everybody was like, oh, okay. Oh, yes. all right, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> built for this. Like, what? Yes. That was like the second, that was like the second wave where it, that was just like a transition moment to where it was like, okay. Um, the third. The third definitely was when I landed the show. Um, and it was because one of the band members, Joe Saylor, saw me playing at Smalls. And, you know, at the time, those gigs at Smalls, if you played the late night, you had to work for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Caring. So, so he just saw me playing at Smalls then he told John about me 
because I didn't know, I didn't know any of them actually. I didn't even know the mm-hmm. Joe, Joe Saylor. I didn't even know Joe. He just saw me and he was, he just wow. Oh, just listening in the back. He yeah. just looked, like we didn't even speak. you never know who's paying attention exactly, exactly. especially in that Ooh. room you think people are just chilling out and drinking have their little thing or whatever my no, people are listening to you yeah yeah and um when i landed the show i remember like they they had me in as a sub like they were like okay sub three days i was like they don't know it but i came i came to slay like <laughs> i just I had yes. to learn everything and just play my heart out. Ooh. Next thing I know, two months roll by. Next thing I know, I'm signing a contract. So, so that was like the turning point. And also, I I saw that I was respected a little bit more among musicians. Um, I feel like for for women musicians, you have to have like weight on your resume to yeah. be respected, you know? So, yeah. so yeah. that all of it kind of started rolling in third tier of it. Mm. Once that happened. Some. Wow. Like, it's so crazy that for me to have known you all these years, but like in this moment, I'm like even more in awe <laughs> to like hear these things. We never really got to talk know, about this, never- you know? So, this is a treat for me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, damn, I feel like I'm listening to that song. <laughs> well, yeah, I think I think it's because when we get together, we just we're invested in each other. It right. goes beyond like yeah. our stories. And we're like, how are you doing? What's it's, going on in your life? Yes. And and we're not yeah. really looking like, yeah, we see what, what we're all doing. And we're just happy. Careers, for we're just happy. Yeah. 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 Well, okay. Well, so then we talk about like female empowerment and like, and like having to be strong in, in this game, like right away, what I, who I think of is, um, Terry Lynn mm-hmm. Carrington, who's been like mm-hmm. an incredible blessing to me and has been like unusually, like sent me so many gigs and opportunities. Like when I say unusual, it's not that common for our elders and sometimes specifically female elders in the game to to take another up-and-coming young lady in and say here do this do that i like what i i i haven't had that that opportunity as much i don't know i would love that that's a whole other like podcast episode maybe but i bring that up to say because i know that you're doing your night at winter jazz fest is is that's this curation of terry lynn carrington or not? I'm, I think I'm confusing the dates, aren't no, I? No, um, actually, that's uh, that's some something that I booked for myself, um, and mm. also uh, shout out to Bryce, <laughs> which is January thirteenth, seven o'clock at the Zinc Bar. But J- January thirteenth, we're gonna we're, we're planning on being there, right? You yep. Yeah, we're we're gonna be there cause, with bells on because we're okay. excited about that. Um, so what you playing? What's the concept? I'm playing the jams. It's gonna be a production. Um, concept is like if if you've listened to where the Nubians grow, my single is gonna be that energy, and then some. You know, it's gonna be the gospel. It's gonna be the funk. It's gonna be the swing. It's gonna be a very black Ooh. experience. <laughs> so, so that's what to do. Um. Do you have Jay Horde who's singing Jay, with you? Jay and Chanel, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two of my favorite. I love oh when, when they're both at the game. Yes. Y'all, yeah, they're, they're great. Y'all don't even know. <laughs> yes, got, yes. You guys have to go go see and Dia, yeah. January 13th, Zinc Bar, 7 o'clock p.m. Make sure you're there because the vibe yeah. is about to be on. <laughs> It is. And that's perfect. It's a Friday night. That's a perfect. You don't have work the next day. You don't have church exactly. the next day. Exactly. It's perfect. Yeah. Right. And also, side note, I haven't, I still have not met Terry Lynn yet. You haven't still. met her yet? I actually haven't I, met her either. Really? Yeah. I don't know why I could, I confused it in my mind. I thought that you ha- you were doing this thing in, in collaboration with her. So maybe that's manifesting something maybe in January. Cause I know she'll love you. Like when you guys finally yeah. get to meet. So I, I can't wait for that day that, that it makes so much sense. In due t- um, you know, just like in due time, in due time. Oh man. Um, 
Well, I, I think, well, okay, you know, you did you prepare some chill trivia? I definitely did. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's that time again, y'all. It's trill trivia. Have mercy, God. <laughs> 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 Okay, the first question, and these are all multiple choice. Which bassist is featured on the Tribe Called Quest track Excursions? Ron Carter? Oh, I didn't give you that multiple choice. Sorry. (laughs) A. (laughs) That's my bad. I was thinking Ron Carter, too. I was like, Ron Carter does all of that stuff. That's right. That's all of them. But okay. Maybe not. It is a sample. Is it A, Mickey Bass, B, Paul Chambers, C, Ron Carter, or D, Sam Jones? I'm going to go with Ron Carter, please. Can I guess? Yes. Who, who was who, who was the second option? Paul Chambers. Okay, Sam Jones. It was Sam Jones. What's it? It's Mickey Bass. Oh! <laughs> oh! Okay. A very unlikely candidate. That's a hard one. I got to tap in. Okay, thank Ooh. you for Bonus. that. Bonus. Bonus. Do you happen to know what song that was sampled? Uh, 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 electric realization. It's oh, oh, maybe I should play it. Can I play it? Excursions. Oh, excursion on excursions. Mm. Okay, I got some homework to do. It is a chant for boo on the RPG. Oh no, that one. Yo, I just. That's a tough one. I know. <laughs> That's a deep cut. It's a deep cut. It's definitely a, a B side. Yeah. I, it is definitely a B side for our Blakey. So, <laughs> mm. all right. Question numero yes. Which bassist had a long standing gig at Sesame Street with Sonny Rollins and advocated for musicians to join the union? Is it A, Cecil McBee? B, Stanley Clark, C, Bob Crenshaw, or D, Jaco Pistorius? Bob Crenshaw. Okay. Um, that is correct. The road to redemption. <laughs> yes. yes. For those of y'all who don't know, Bob Crenshaw, who also is famously known to be to be a recorded bass player on Blue Note record label on many recordings. He had a very long standing gig with Sesame Street and advocated for um, musicians to join the union, mm. which okay. at that okay. time helped a lot of musicians get a lot of pension and were able to retire. Mm. But Beautiful. that's a little bit harder to do. Thank you, Bob Cantra. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. Yes. All right. Last question. Rest in peace. Who is, yes, rest in peace. Rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Who is the most recorded jazz bassist? Ron Carter. Is it? Ding, 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 ding. Correct. Yo, guys, I have the biggest crush on Ron Carter. Uh, yo, this, yo. Like, oh my God. I know he's like married and everything, but. (laughs) Yo, young Ron Carter, though. I'm just saying. He was bad. No, no, for him to be over 80, like, what? He looked like a fashion icon. Like, don't cry. Fashion icon. Mm -hmm, Well, we're going to talk a touch a little bit on fashion. I know we got to wind down, but oh, you know, you were recently on the red carpet for the Grammys looking like a whole snack. The Emmys. Emmys. 
Even better. Even better. She can be money, okay? Keep shining. You look so gorgeous. You You look Mm -hmm. so stunning. Like, do you want to talk a little bit about like that, your fashions in that night and overall how you feel about how you're doing your body and how you show up? Your fashion is on point. Thank you. Thank you. So, so, you know, I, I feel like a lot of, um, a lot of people try to like take the European standard of beauty. Like when it's the big events, like, okay, let me straighten my hair. Let me do this. Let me dress like this. I was like, you know what? I want my hair reaching the sky. Like, so Mm. I immediately thought about lots and I wanted barrel lots and I wanted Mm. to point everywhere. I just wanted to feel free, like from my head to my toes. So, so that's why I chose to wear my hair like that. Um, My, my good friend, Ariel Goodwin, she, she um, has, a whole website called Home by Ariel. She makes these incredible earrings. And she made earrings of black women with a sun around the head that was also a mirror. It was just statues, oh. black statues. So I thought, okay, that would go great with the Emmys because, you know, I'll just be the black Emmy <laughs> and I'll have it on my earrings as well. The the eyes and the makeup, I wanted to shine. I wanted to just feel like a goddess. So I had the outline like that with the stones and everything. The dress, bright yellow sun. Like my my whole concept was the sun. You styled yes, yourself, basically. Shout out to you yes. for that because that's very hard to show up looking really good and as put together and just making such a statement. You know, without the help of like a professional stylist, I, I thought she was about to say I had this stylist and da <laughs> You, you know what? I was, I went, I was trying to contact stylists to help me, but everybody was booked, and also it was a thing with like sizing and all that. Yes, 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 mm. yes. Speak on that. That's so Wait, hard right now for yes. women's bodies to find clothes that fit us. Yes, I hate like that. to. To to be black and go to black stylists and for them to say we don't we don't really dress for curvy women or like we only have this yes. size in the hips or, or the bust or anything. Yes. I was like actually floored. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm gonna yeah. do it myself and the right person mm-hmm. will come to me. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, Amen. I just did it myself. And I'm proud yes. of that look. Well, you looked. Yes, it worked. You you did you gorgeous. That. You looked gorgeous. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, but yeah. y'all be looking great too. Like, like, like. <laughs> thanks. But you know, maybe maybe that's the episode because, like, the issue with the sizes has it, it's gotten me. I'm feeling very insecure in my body right now. I'm not gonna lie. Mm. For full transparency, you know, like I'm in a space now where since I'm not on the road or whatever, I can like be home and work out every day. So I feel myself starting to like get back into like my confidence in my body. It's very but, hard. Like, it goes. It it's, it's so never. Hard. It's 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 a roller coaster. Being a woman and looking at your body, it is a an emotional roller coaster. There's days where you're like, yes, I'm feeling myself. I'm beautiful. Yeah. I love my body. And then there's days where it's it's like you just not. It's the total, complete opposite. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's very hard to sometimes find the right clothes. There's I know for me, my weight tends to fluctuate and. Sometimes mm-hmm. my clothes fit me and look the way I like them to. And then sometimes yeah. they don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is definitely a challenge. It's a roller coaster, mm-hmm. you know, it's a especially coaster. when you're feeling good. Like you have that. Yeah. And then you, you get to the stylist. We, we don't have anything that fits. Right. Oh, oh it already. Stretches. It's like total. Cause you show up to right. set and there's wardrobe and stuff. Is that shout right. out to the Colbert set? Like, yeah, mm. they they have never made me feel like mm-hmm. that. But that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. But honestly, st- mm-hmm. stylists out here, it's a struggle. I work with a few different um, stylists at this point, depending on what what what's the 
occasion or the budget. It's expensive. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of communication back and forth. But, you know, I love this conversation because like as jazz musicians, like I feel like overall, I think we're all trying to expand past just I'm just playing these notes. At the end of the day, we are artists and the way in which we choose to adorn ourselves really Mm -hmm. does matter. You know, if you think about Miles, we were just talking about Ron Carter. Mm -hmm. You think about Betty Carter, her fashions. Fashion is is part of being a musician. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and it always, Um, I mean, to this day, people look to musicians and artists as their um as their muse when it comes yeah. to yeah. wanting to look a certain way yeah or just ex- yeah. or even when it comes to expressing yourself with your clothes mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i know for mm-hmm. me uh growing up in co- in college fashion was not a thing it was a, it was me right now and chanel and we didn't know what the hell we were playing on at that time <laughs> 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 we were just trying to fit Aww. in and look like the boys. And that, that wasn't it. Right. Took a right, long time right, to, right. to get um to get acclimated and comfortable with wanting mm-hmm. to express ourselves with clothes. Yeah. 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 Well, I think one question, I guess, before we we wind down is if you what would you say to another black female? bass player because there's actually quite a few that are coming up there's some mm-hmm. bad bass players yep. coming up what would you say to them on their journey well, i would just say to work hard you know there there will be a lot of things to deter you but stay focused stay focused practice you know and be the best version of yourself the best you that you could possibly be you know and that that also comes with bass playing you know there's little room for error so make sure that you are on it business wise playing wise just take the extra time to learn the tunes take the extra time to know the history you know just just take the extra time needed and also remember that like when you're when you're watching other bass players other female bass players that came for before you there are also ones after you that are looking at you for what mm. you know the girls are always watching mm-hmm. they they are mm-hmm. always watching remember that Ooh, I yeah like that. Yes. i like that people are mm-hmm. always watching so so Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. present the best self that you can and play each note with intention and swing you you gotta Mm -hmm. swing you gotta gotta really Mm -hmm. dig into that also a few technical things Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) like my pet peeve with bass plays no dig in Play on the bottom of the fingerboard. You have to like come on. Get make sure that sound is so good. Mm. Your tone, your articulation, your technique, your right hand, your left hand. Make sure it's solid. Make sure you're mm. transcribing. Mm. Make sure you're playing like playing with ideas. If you're doing your Bach, if you're doing your Kreutzer, okay. Study, study etudes, but now make it yours. What do you have to say along with that? Make sure, Ooh. make sure you play the bass. Like when, when Marcus Belgrave was mentoring me, like he was my first mentor in Detroit, he would always say, play the bass, play like the bass when you're walking, play the low notes because that's the bass. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like an art and intention to this. Mm-hmm. I know he used to cuss mm-hmm. me out too. With love. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had good Those are the best ones. Those, Those are the best ones. Yeah, tough love. Yes, yes, yes. I know I yes. had my teachers cussing Ooh. me out sometimes, mm-hmm. but that was the best lessons. <laughs> yeah. Reggie Lightman used to cuss me out all the time, too. We yep, yep, it. yep, yep, yep. <laughs> It's good though. It made us better. I had tears in practice rooms. <laughs> Not in the lessons. What's Abraham Burton would always. <laughs> it was rough. It's all right. But it made me better. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a that's a good mm-hmm. note. You gave us everything we could have ever desired for. This is this was such a beautiful like conversation. And I'm thinking about the Christian McBride episode and how there's a commonality with you bass players. You guys are okay with being vulnerable, mm-hmm. I feel. Mm-hmm. You know, because he talked about, you know, when things were, you know, his struggle, da, 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 I, 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 people usually don't want to say those, you know, they want you to think that's that right. everything has always been so great, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I see a commonality in that. So that's, I'm, I'm kind of tickled by that. So, well, thank you everybody for listening to our episode today with the beautiful India Owens. Make sure you go to Winter Jazz Fest on January 13th. Mm-hmm. At seven o'clock, you can buy your tickets now. We will be there. Everybody's gonna be there. So if you if you cool, you'll be mm-hmm. there. <laughs> and if you see us, say hello. <laughs> mm-hmm, please. Yes. Check out the new track mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where the Nubians grow. Mm-hmm. Yep. And mm-hmm. and Mel, you got a gig coming up too out after one of Jazz Fest at the Blue Note. I do. Yes. February 27th. That's mm-hmm. right. That's right. Yes. I'm excited yes, about that. Yes. January 7th. I'm going to yes. be at public records with Sonic messengers. So come through. Ooh. If you want a little yes. party yes. time, you know? <laughs> yes. It's one of the best parties in, in Brooklyn you'll find right now. So pull up. Mm-hmm. All right, y'all. All we'll right. Send well, us off. what? Yes. So whatever you do, remember to, Make Jazz Trill again!